Good morning. My name is Peter Kroll. I'm one of the elders. To be a Christian, you must hold fast in allegiance to Christ until the end. We learned that from the sermon series we just completed last week in the book of Hebrews. And because this is the week of Thanksgiving, I'd like to celebrate and give thanks for those among us who have been doing that very thing, holding fast to Jesus for a very long time. We need old saints. Because without these precious men and women, our church has no future. Over the years, I've often heard people say that in order to be healthy, a church must have lots of young people. I know there are good reasons for thinking that, but today I'd like to show you that a healthy church also has plenty of the elderly in it. A healthy church is a geriatric church. Or to put it more simply, we need old saints. That's the main idea this morning. And I'm using this word saints the same way the old, excuse me, the same way the New Testament uses it. It's another word for plain old Christian people. In the Bible, the saints are not superhuman figures who model moral perfection. The saints are all the people who have been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. The saints are simply those who cling to their Savior until the end. And our church needs such people, and we need them when they are old. We're in Psalm 71 this morning. If you have one of the church Bibles, it's on page 453. We'll see in this poem that we need old saints. Why is that? You can see on your outline. It's because they cling steadfastly to Christ. They prove that enemies are not all powerful. They help us all to remember the deeds of God. And they foresee something we desperately need, which is a happy future. Let me pray once again for our time in God's word. Lord, please open our eyes that we might see wonderful things in your word this morning. Please strengthen us. And instruct us uh, to give thanks for those that you have set among us who have been clinging to Christ for so long. May we learn from them and be inspired by them that we might do the same as we look to our Lord Jesus Christ. Please hold us fast to the end. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in Psalm 71. I'll read the poem its entirety. And then we'll go back and walk through it. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. For you have given the command to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O God, from the hand of the wicked, 
from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. I have been as a portent to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth, excuse me, my mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. For my enemies speak concerning me. Those who watch for my life consult together and say, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him, for there is none to deliver him. O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste to help me. May my accusers be put to shame and consumed with scorn and disgrace. May they be covered who seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me. Until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those who come. Your righteousness, O God, reaches the high heavens. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you? You who have made me see many troubles and calamities will revive me again. From the depths of the earth, you will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. I will also praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, O my God. I will sing praises to you with the lyre, O Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you, my soul also which you have redeemed. And my tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long, for they have been put to shame and disappointed who sought to do me hurt. Well, friends, the first thing we ought to see is that we need old saints who cling steadfastly to Christ. We see this in verses 1 through 6. We desperately need role models who show us that it's possible to cling to Christ over an entire lifetime. That is the thing the book of Hebrews spoke about. Now, how do we see it in Psalm 71? Verses 1 to 3 use the metaphor of protection. A fortress built into a cliff to provide Refuge. That is how this poet views Yahweh, the God of Israel. There is refuge here, which in verse 1 prevents shame in the face of enemies. In verse 2, there is righteousness here, which delivers and saves. And in verse 3, there is access 
here to the intimate protection of God. He says, it is something to which I may continually come. He has access to this refuge. He's kind of like a child who hangs out right next to home base the entire time they play tag. It's annoying at times, but it's so important in life, isn't it? So he uses this metaphor of protection, and he may continually come to it. In verses 4 through 6, he uses the metaphor of possession. Possession. The poet is not, verse 4, in the grasp of unjust or cruel men, but he is in the grasp of the Lord. Therefore, verse 5, God is his hope and his trust. You know, sometimes people accuse Christianity of being a crutch, don't they? Have you ever heard that? And the elderly person in this poem wears that accusation like a badge of honor. In verse 6, upon you I have leaned from before my birth. So the poet hides in the Lord's protection and he thrives in the Lord's possession. Now, I said that the poet is an elderly person. Did you notice why that is? Verse 5, he says, God is my trust from my youth. Down in verse 17, he says, God has taught me from my youth. So this poet is no longer in his youth. In verse 18, he says, even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me. That is the poet's present petition and it's not really that he's waiting for old age some translations other translations clarify verse 18 further by saying now that i am old and gray do not abandon me O god here's what we see in these first six verses this poet has been walking with god for a very long time all the way from his youth even before he was born, when he was in the womb, into old age. And all through that time, he claims that God has provided protection and God has held him in possession. And for those reasons, this poet is still clinging to God just as much as when he was young Perhaps even more so. We need such old saints. When I was 22 or 23, an older man in my church lay on his deathbed. I barely knew him at the time, but I went to visit him one afternoon before he passed. And as we spoke and I sat with him there, he began reflecting with me on whether there would be rabbits eating his garden vegetables in the resurrection. As we spoke, he's telling me about this, and I had no idea before then how important gardening was to him. But it was just a matter-of-fact conversation. This elder brother in Christ was clinging so tightly to Christ That he had such certain confidence in the goodness of God and his own resurrection. And that faith inspired me. 
I prayed that day, and I've prayed often since, that God would grant my faith to last all the way to my own deathbed as well. If you are an older member of our congregation, we need you to cling steadfastly to Christ. The health of our church depends on it. We who are younger need to witness such people who can see and hear all that the world and the devil throw at us and who say, that's not worth it. Our God is better than that. Now, why does the health of our church depend on having such older saints? It's because if we don't have older saints... Our church is sending exactly the opposite message. We are communicating that all humans will eventually grow jaded and bitter, giving up the faith they once held dear. Because look, we couldn't hold on to them here. It tells the world if we don't have older saints, and it tells those of us who are younger that God is not able to hold us fast until the end. It tells us that Jesus is not sweeter or more desirable than what the world has to offer. Without older saints, we can only question whether the Lord Jesus Christ really is who he said he is. And whether we might be better off just giving up sooner rather than later. We need old saints who cling steadfastly to Christ. We need you who are older to stick with Jesus until the end. To show us that it's both possible to do that and it's worth it to do that. Because there are so many enemies out there. So we need second, older saints who prove that enemies are not all powerful. We see this in verses 7 through 14. In verse 7, the poet shifts from praising the God in whom he trusts to describing the darker side of life on earth. It's a life that is filled with enemies. In verse 7, he says, I have been as a portent to many. This means, this line right here, means that the poet recognizes that his own life has meant something. His life is a signpost or a symbol of something else for other people to see. That's what it means to be a portent to many. He understands that nobody lives their life in a vacuum. Nobody can quietly slip off stage and go unnoticed. No, this poet understands that people are watching and that his ability to survive attacks from his enemies will provide strength and encouragement to others, inspiring them to do the same. He is a portent to many. In verse 9, He praises God in his old age because, verse 10 and 11, his enemies are still predicting that God will leave him. That God has left him. Please consider what this means, friends. None of your lives 
are an accident. None of your lives will go unnoticed. None of your lives are unremarkable. And we desperately need old saints to show us, to be signposts and portents for us, that God is near when enemies speak out. Verse 12, he says, O God, be not far from me. He asks this not only so that he can receive personal relief from enemies, but also so that the younger generations who are watching him can see that God is near and that God rescues his people from their enemies. In verse 14, this poet continually hopes in God and he continually praises God. He's like Jacob in his old age saying, I will not let go of you until you bless me. This poet will not allow his enemies to have the last word. That honor belongs to the Lord. And those of you who are as portents to many who are signposts for us, you must not allow your enemies to have the last word either. What does this mean? Well, let me get practical here. When the world tells us that God is not near and that he will not rescue and the world mocks us for believing in antiquated things such as one pathway to God through Jesus Christ or the good creation of two genders, male and female, or the good marriage between a man and a woman, or the unity of all believers across ethnic and economic lines, when the world mocks us for holding to such things, it's not easy to stand fast. It gets wearying and perseverance does not come naturally. Those of you who are older know this full well. I hope you also realize that your perseverance is exactly what the rest of us need to see. If you can't make it past these enemies, it makes it all the more difficult for us to see ourselves making it past them. Now, one of the greatest enemies we face is death. And the specter of death looms over all debilitating illness such illness is not the unique possession of those who are older we've got plenty of people in our congregation who have suffered from lupus from cancer from mental health disorders among other things many of you older saints are either facing illness yourself or you are caring for a spouse who faces debilitating illness. And perhaps some of you are long past the end of your rope in resisting this enemy, that specter of death. But please understand, we need you. We need you to prove to us that the enemy of death will not have the last word, that illness and death will not render any of us useless or without hope in the kingdom of Christ. 
I speak especially to those dear older saints among us who have waged this war. I speak now to Bonnie Drips and to Diane Schreckengast and to Connie Smith. I speak to Bill and Randy and Boyd who provide their care. Please do not give up this fight. Please do not lose hope. Of course you need to rest from time to time. Of course you can't do it yourself. I'm not asking you to do it in your own strength. We're all here to help you. And the Lord is with you. Because if the faith of any one of you fails in the face of this enemy, then we all have failed. We all lose out. You have already been signposts and portents that inspire us with God's grace, showing us that God is at work even while sickness and death appear to run free. Friends, faith does not mean that people don't get sick. Faith does not mean that people won't die. Faith simply means that whatever happens, you can say with verse 7, You, God, are my strong refuge. You can say with verse 14, I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. Friends, we need you to show us this. The younger people in this room need to learn how to get past our whining and to see through our illness and pain to the mighty God behind it all so that we might not fall defeated before such enemies, but we would rise up to overcome them. So we need old saints who prove that enemies are not all-powerful, that the Lord will have the last word in the face of all his enemies. That's the second point this morning. Third, the health of our church depends on having old saints who remember the deeds of God. This poet cannot be distracted by his enemies. No matter what happens to him, he has a one-track mind. This comes out in verses 15 through 18. Verse 15, my mouth will tell of your deeds of salvation. Verse 16, I will come and remind them with the mighty deeds of the Lord Yahweh. Verse 17, ever since my youth, I still proclaim God's wondrous deeds. Here's the thing, people forget We forget who God is. We forget what God has done. So we need constant reminders. That's why in the Bible, God is regularly telling his people to celebrate a feast or to set up a rock to memorialize something or other that God has done. That feast or that rock can remind them as the years and the generations tick by that the same God who acted back then remains active now. In verse 18, the poet begs God not to forsake him in his old age. Why? So I can proclaim your power to another generation who is coming. 
You see, without the memories and the eyewitness testimony of older generations, we run the risk of losing much of the knowledge of God and what He has done and how powerful He is. One of my greatest fears about aging is the possibility of losing my mind. This is one of my greatest fears. It's one of the things that I have nightmares about. For me, Alzheimer's or dementia would be a fate worse than death. I would rather die. I love teaching God's word and discipling younger generations. I hope to do these things in some form until the day I die. And though I do understand I will not be able to walk up these steps to this podium forever. And the time will come when my voice is not strong enough to project to the back row forever. I can live with those things. The thing that really terrifies me is losing the ability to remember the past. To forget who my loved ones are. And losing the ability to proclaim God's power to another generation. But the created world is full of vanity. So I understand it's altogether likely that the thing I fear the most is the thing most likely to befall me. So I'm glad it's not all up to me. We need old saints who remember the deeds of God and who continue to tell us about them. We need men like Terry Dalbenspeck to tell us about how God has brought him through very hard times. And Terry, I am so grateful how you always show God's goodness in the end, whatever you've been through. We need women like Marguerite Chokas to tell us about her life growing up in the Netherlands, entertaining Corey Ten Boom, and being taught the gospel from the scripture by her faithful father, day after day after day. Erin and I are just delighted that Marguerite published her own translation of her childhood story Bible from Dutch into English, the book her father read to her, and she generously gifted a copy of it to our family. We now read it to our daughters in hopes that they will grow as wise and full of faith as our dear Mrs. Marguerite. We know that until Jesus returns, life on earth is not forever. And the day will come when we have to say goodbye to each of our beloved older saints in this church. But until that day comes for each of you, please know that we need you And we give thanks to God for you. Now perhaps it seems like this sermon of thanks for older saints suddenly took a morbid turn. Because now I'm suddenly talking about saying goodbye to them. But it's not all that morbid really. Because they'll be the first to remind us that those goodbyes won't be the end. We know this because we've got some old saints forth who foresee a happy future. 
This is the fourth and final reason why a healthy church needs old saints. We need older believers who foresee a happy future. Those who are not afraid to say with this poet in verse 20 that God has made them see many troubles and calamities. And yet despite them all, the same God who brought those troubles is the God who will, quote, will revive me again. God will bring me up again from the depths of the earth. And this launches the poet into his final round of resounding praise in these closing verses to the Holy One of Israel. Do you see what this poem says in this final section? This old man does not merely smile because God loves him in a trite way. And he does not avoid the fact that God is responsible for having brought all the trouble and calamity before his eyes. Maybe he lost a spouse to cancer before him. Maybe he saw a child or a grandchild tragically pass away before his time. Perhaps his people suffered terrorist attacks or genocide. Whatever the details may be, this old saint gives credit to God for both the distressing present and the glorious future. When he says that the Lord will revive him again, verse 20, from the depths of the earth, it is possible that he's using poetic hyperbole, that he's speaking simply of restoration and rescue in exaggerated language. He could be saying that. That's pretty common in the Psalms. But it's also possible, if not likely, that this old saint knows that he's nearing death. Yet he knows that death is not the end. He's looking ahead to the glorious resurrection of God's people. The time when all their enemies will be put down and the true people of God will be vindicated for all the world to see. In the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul describes the resurrection of the dead as the hope of Israel for which he was in chains. And this psalm demonstrates that hope. That hope drove this old poet into ecstatic praise and thanksgiving with shouts of joy in verse 23 and music on a harp in verse 22. So the poem ends with this grand declaration that God's people will be raised from the dead out of the depths of the earth on the last day. And that great hope motivates them in the present. It far overshadows any present trouble or calamity here under the sun. Brothers and sisters, for the sake of our church's health, we need old saints who foresee a happy future. Those who can go toe-to-toe here and now with Satan, those who perhaps have one foot in the grave already, 
they can peer into the cavernous jowls of calamity. They gaze upon trouble and death in all its horror. They don't have to pretend that it's not bad. And then they can throw back their heads and with a mighty chuckle, shout out like Rocky Balboa after each punch from Clubber Lang. You ain't so bad. You ain't so bad. You ain't so bad. When you can stare death in the eye and still foresee a happy future through resurrection, you are a portent to many because you are pointing the rest of us to the resurrection of the Son of God as your greatest hope. Because God raised him, he must also raise those of us who are in Jesus. Jesus didn't merely face hardship and persecution. He didn't merely gaze into the jaws of death. Jesus actually died. And God the Father revived him from the depths of the earth. And having defeated death, And having overcome all opposition, Jesus now lives to tell us, they ain't so bad. They ain't so bad. There is no righteous and faithful rock like our God. So to the old saints in this room, I say, we need you. Please keep clinging steadfastly to Christ Proving that enemies are not all powerful. Remembering the deeds of God and foreseeing a happy future. But please don't merely do these things. Please tell the rest of us about them. We need to hear this from you. We need you to show the rest of us the Lord Jesus Christ by how you live your life. To those here who aren't Christians yet, I say, look at these old saints of ours. They will show you that God is very, very real and present. And to the young saints in the room, including the children in the room, I say to you, you need these older saints. Make sure you ask your fathers and mothers in the faith about what God has done in their lives. They've got stories to tell that you and I desperately need to hear. Their experiences may be just the shot in the arm you need to get you through a rough spot. The Lord put us all together in one body for a reason. The fact is, we need old saints. The health of our church depends on it. Please pray with me. Our Father in heaven, we are so grateful to you that you have blessed our church with a number of old saints who can show us the way and who point us to the Lord Jesus Christ as our ultimate hope. Lord, please be our protection and hold us in your possession. Hold us fast as we trust in you and remind us that what we're facing here and now, it ain't so bad. 
Something way better is on its way. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.